Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast that tells the story behind the book. It includes insights from authors about how they compose their work, what inspires them, and what they hope you'll take away from their book. Here's your host for this episode of Books on Air, Suzanne Harris. Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Sloan Fremont filling in for Suzanne Harris. This is a podcast where listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is Paul Narragon, author of the book, Gibberishy's Rhymes to Contemplate, Poetic Verse, Moving You into a New Life. And the words in this book answer the question, who creates a new you? And of course, the answer to that is, you do. Your transformation begins by forging a new view. And when your view of everything changes, everything changes for you. So Paul, I want to welcome you to the Books on Air podcast. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. So let's start out by telling the audience just a little bit about yourself and what led you to write your book, Gibberishy's Rhymes to Contemplate. Well, it actually started back in uh, uh, the turn of the century. Uh, the first thing I did is I decided to quit the job I had at the time. And I said, I got to just figure out who I am. And so I walked from Kansas City to the West Coast uh, when I was 50 years old. And that kind of started that whole contemplation of thinking, uh, who am I, what's the purpose of life, and what am I doing, and all this kind of stuff. And then over the period of the next 10 years or so, I did a lot of traveling. I spent four years in India, and I spent uh, about five or six years in Latin America. And during those times, I spent a lot of time in silence. And they gave me a chance to uh, ask some questions of myself and receive answers uh, from the unknown, you might say. And that's right. what uh, got this whole process going. Right. And I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. Did you say you walked from Kansas City to the East Coast? No, West Coast. Yes, West Coast. West Coast. <laughs> so so yeah. you walked the whole distance? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. How long did yeah. that take you? It took me two and a half months. Wow. I bet that was a journey. <laughs> it was, and I did it in the wintertime, too, and I just had a pair of Tava sandals and cotton socks because you can imagine the heat generated when you walk 15 to 20 miles a day. Right. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. So during that time in, in your travels, you're, I mean, I imagine learning a lot about yourself, you're learning a lot about life, you're getting a lot of different perspectives, being around a lot of different people. What was that like for you? Well, it was really enjoyable because uh, it was a chance to have my mind uncluttered. And in fact, what it did, it was it decluttered uh, things for me because I had no obligations. There was no regular thinking going on. And so and just looking at the atmosphere around you, which is just tremendously spacious, of course, out west, uh, it was an opportunity for me to receive a lot of clear thoughts. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was very revealing. Yeah, and so when you're going through something like that and you're decluttering your mind and you're it, it, to me as I'm hear you, hearing you talking about that it's almost as if like maybe each step you dropped like all of this thing all of these things you didn't need anymore, right? That that's the picture I get when I'm when I'm hearing you talk. Um what was I guess what would be the the thing that stood out for you during that time? Like was it that you, you know you didn't need what you thought you you needed or how the answers came to you? Was there any, like, big revelations like that during that time? 
Well, the uh, the big revelation that really came to me is uh, when you stop the daily chatter that goes on in your head, what you begin to start to realize is that the reason why we are experiencing what we're experiencing is because we're living most of our life based on memory. And memory, of course, is the past. And so what I've come to realize from that is that a lot of the things that we think we're experiencing, we've already lived through, and it's only because we are stuck on our memory of the past that we think that's what's happening to us. So we're living in the past. Yeah. Yeah, day in and day out, while we think we're we're moving forward, we're actually living backwards, it sounds like. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's what I experienced. <laughs> yeah, and so and in that, that living backwards, let's, let's say, because um, I think that's a really good description of it, 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 I found in my own life that I create, it's like I use a lot of energy on these things that I'm thinking about, right? These old memories or these um, these things that, keep me anxious or keep me fearful, right? It's like all this energy is being expended on these things that um, really are like no benefit to me whatsoever. Um, what did you learn about what we, the things that we think, the things that we say, how, how those things affect us energetically? Well, see, the thing that most people don't realize is that, first of all, we're living a character. We are not ourselves characters we are ourselves spirits but we and when we take a body uh, we become a character we have a particular personality and things like this that's what we're trying to live out that's not who we really are so our life in a sense is something that we have been programmed to to see in a given way that is what we turn our attention to and one of the uh, sad gurus or perfect masters in india ramana maharshi once said attention is what our life is so whatever we give attention to and if it's a programming that we give attention to then the program is running us we think we're running the program but it's really running us that's really basically what i've learned about life yeah that <laughs> and it's so it's I remember when I first read, I don't even know, it's been years ago, read about that, what you just said about how we're living out a character. And I, I remember back then, I just couldn't get my head around that. Like, I couldn't understand that because I was, you know, just starting on my own spiritual journey and I was new to everything and everything to me felt so integrated or so intertwined, right? Everything I thought I believed, um, I believed I was this person who did these things and that's just who I was and, and how it was. Um, right. But in my own journey over the years, I've, I've been able to work at uh, like separating those pieces, right? Not believing every thought that I think. Understanding that um, just because I did something one way before doesn't mean I have to always do it that way going forward, right? It's been this, this breaking apart of, of the parts of me, I guess I might, that's how I would describe it. When you, with your journey and, and what you've been through, how how do you think that getting that different perspective like that creates a different you. How do you think that, how does, how has that worked for you in your life? Well, it became obvious to me that uh, with, with, when I continued to think the same way that I always thought my life would continue to appear the same way. Mm -hmm. So it's, Mm -hmm. and it didn't matter because if I looked at someone else and they had a different view of life, they were experiencing the same thing. I was experiencing differently because they were looking at it differently. Mm -hmm. So what I I realized was that in changing the way I looked at the situation, 
that was changing my world. Right. That is the only way collectively that we can change the world is when we each individually start to see our world differently and we start to focus on ourselves as being the highest value that we can be for ourselves and then we become, by the way we radiate that energy, we become the highest value that we can be for others and that is the focus on the well-being of all. And so that's really what starts to change everything for me and I believe that's the way everybody else starts to change. Yeah, and that can be very confronting when we, when yeah. we, <laughs> when we realize that, right? That, wait a minute, it, it all comes back to me, right? Because it's very easy to blame others or blame circumstances or blame how you grew up or, you know, whatever it might be. But when, when we sit there and actually realize the power that we, we actually have, um, to me that is, liberating it's expansive but it, at first it can definitely be very confronting and very much like well i don't want to that's not true that can't possibly be true because if that's true then that means you know this this and this or whatever meaning we want to assign to it but it, i i totally agree with you there yeah and you know and the thing we realize is belief is a very poor measure of reality <laughs> yeah yeah and what happens you know as a result of that is is that people don't realize what responsibility is and their responsibility is to live the moment you know we talk there's a lot of talk about being in the now moment being here and being mm-hmm. now and that's that makes total sense but what people don't realize is that every moment has a particular response that it asks for and if we're living in the past all we're doing is we're dredging up out of the swamp of our life, we're just dredging up these old ideas which are not necessarily appropriate for the moment. That's not what it's asking for. It's asking for you to genuinely respond to how you feel at that moment. If something feels good to you, that's the indication that that's something that's going to be valuable to you. If something doesn't feel good to you, that's something that's indicating to you that this is not going to be something that's going to be in your best interest to pursue. Right. And that, that reminder of, of living in the moment versus dredging up the past and, and just recreating that past over and over again, right? And then we wonder why we don't get different results. <laughs> it's because we're recreating right. the same past over and over. Exactly. And, and I think that comes in, yeah, and I think that comes in different ways, right? It, it comes in, as we've talked about in beliefs, it, it comes in um, maybe patterns you don't even know that you have. One thing I've noticed in my life that there's sometimes a voice in my head that isn't even my own, right? It might be a parent or a, um, you know, something from when I was growing up, um, some belief in school or something. And it's amazing. Right. It's amazing all these, the ways that these, these things come in and we feel like they're our own, but they're actually not. Right. And you know, the, here's the, here's the, really the crux of that, uh, that issue that you just brought up. The ideas that we have in our head may not be ours, but we are responsible for the way we respond. See, that's, right. the key. that's the key to life itself, is that if a person realizes that they, how they respond to things is their journey, not what happens to them, because all these things happen to us to see how we respond. That's our self-examination in life. But it's how we respond to things that is the key to living. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so true. And that, that goes back to, as I mentioned earlier, about that power that we have, because we do have the power to respond in any way that we want. And, and there's so much power in that response. And, and, and whether we choose to accept that or choose to have it, you know, fall into the victim mode or whatever else that might be. Right, right. Yeah. So let's go back to the book. So your book is in poetic form. Do you want, is, what are some of your favorite rhymes in the book? Or is there anything that you'd like to share with us? Well, the reason why I wrote the book in rhyme was because one of the things that uh, occurred to me was that rhyme itself, because it has a musical quality to it, it has a rhythm, it's so much easier to remember things. And, mm-hmm. uh, one, and something that I read that really went along with that was the, there's a book called Learning 2000. And in that book, it talks about what was, what was really done in the uh, Eastern Bloc countries at one time in back in the 60s, like in Romania, what they did is they taught, uh, taught information to students, but they played classical music in the background. And in playing that classical music in the background, when they would give the students tests, they would play that music again, and it enabled the students to gain 99 to 100% performance on these tests and it was related wow. to using their whole mind mm-hmm. and so this is this is something that's really important to understand that i realize that rhythm such as rhymes actually enables a person to remember things better and i like that so and i've always liked rhythm and rhyme and uh, that was something that i felt was was something valuable in writing ideas that most people weren't familiar with is that it would help them remember it easier. Yes. And that, you know, our, we often forget, I think too, and when we're working on maybe our own internal selves, working on looking at life differently, different perspectives, as we've talked about um, those thoughts that we've thought for our whole life, right? Whatever, however old we are, we've thought those thoughts for so many years, you know, and there, there's a groove that's worn there. It's familiar. It's easy to go to those things very quickly. But what I like about what you're saying and writing it in that rhythmic form is that once we have something different to go to, it's very easy to shift in, 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 move into that if we have something else to go to. If we don't, our same old negative patterns are, are very easily, you know, they continue very easily. But what I really like what you're saying there is having that, that rhythmic um, uh, form to move to a different thought process to make, to, to, you know, if we can start that pivot, then, then we see the change, right? It's that pivoting point that, um, that we, we need to experience in order to experience change. Yes, exactly. And uh, the addition to that, is that you see that most rhymes and poetry is really very short in verse. And one of the things that's very important, and this is another thing that brought me to this whole idea of of writing poetry and rhymes, is that when I was, I remembered when I was in graduate school, I had read an an article about Occam's razor. I don't know if you've ever heard the term Mm -hmm. before. Yes, I have. Uh It's the law of parsimony, which says basically, something that is explained in its simplest terms and yet explains fully what is being said is the best way. So I always used, I always liked the idea of poetry because I was using Occam's razor to, ex, to explain an idea because I was mm-hmm. trying to put it in its simplest terms, its most concise terms, and when it rhymes like that, it just all fit together for me in that way. So I, I use both both the idea of rhythm and rhyme and also parsimony in, in mm-hmm. writing my poetry. Yeah. And so I know you've written some other books too. Do you want to tell us about those and, and how everything fits together? 
Yeah, basically, these uh, I've written three books now. Uh, the first one was Jibberishi's Profound Rhymes. The second one, Jibberishi's Rhymes to Contemplate. And the third one, While the Jibberishi Rhymes, His Bed Burns. All these focus on basically the same context. And what it does is try to give a very practical application to spiritual ideas about life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're yeah. all done in rhyme. So uh, they, they just, they all are three books that are basically dealing with how we look at life that is looking at it from a perspective that will advance us into a new way of being and a new way of living our lives. Yeah, which is, I mean, the key, right? It's the key. And I think nothing has been more obvious in that how much we need that in our own lives in the past couple of years. And um, I know everybody, it, it seems like a lot of people I talk to where every, everyone feels a little bit lost still or a little bit um, unclear on, on, you know, after everything that happened in the past two years, where, where do I go from here? And I love this reminder of what you're talking about with this um, to be our best spiritual self. And it doesn't have to be complicated and long, you know, thousand pages books, right? You, you can make it the ideas that people need and make it simple and easy to remember. Yeah, because I love, I mean, my whole life of spirituality has been, has been what I would call practical because uh, just to sit around and talk about ideas does nothing. You know, you have to realize mm-hmm. that uh, we're responsible for making certain steps. And really those steps really are most importantly, if looked at from thought first. In other words, the thoughts that we put into the collective have a significant impact on everybody. We could be sitting in our our room by ourselves and thinking these most courageous and wonderful thoughts about the world, and those thoughts will do as much as the actions that people take in resisting things that they don't like. Because mm-hmm. it's, thoughts, mm-hmm. it's thoughts with which we create. And that's we, we need to understand that our, our actions are based on our thoughts. And if they're not for the well-being of all, and they're only serving a few, that's not being of service to yourself or anyone else, really. Right. And I love that reminder. And, and as you know, really what we've talked about is that um, one of the key points that, that, that I got from this conversation is how we, we have the power. We have the power to respond. We have the power over our thoughts. We don't have to let our thoughts just be um, run wild in, in such a negative way as it maybe as most people are used to experiencing. And there is another way. There is another way to experience life. And I think your books give us a, a, that that even especially for somebody maybe new to this topic of spirituality or wanting to improve themselves, um, gives you a different different way to look at things. And especially if it's in an easy-to-remember format, as we were talking about that rhythmic and poetic format, um, it, it, it's, it's amazing. What I found in my life, it's amazing how quickly things can change when you start to go down this path. Yes, and, and also, you know, if people take – people need to take a larger perspective on life, which uh, I really believe that spirituality offers. And what I mean by that is that you look at an iceberg and what you see is a very small percentage of that iceberg, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's what the material world is. The material world is that what we're seeing of that iceberg and how much of that iceberg is out of sight so much more of our world is beyond our current vision. So that's the portion of the world that really is controlling what we see, but we mm-hmm. have a tendency to totally ignore that because science says, well, if I can't see it, 
and I can't study it and I can't analyze it, it's not valuable. It has no worth. It has no meaning. But this happens to be who we are. We are the invisible inside our own bodies, but we are the most important thing to the operation of this body. And once this body no longer serves us, it's dropped and we take another body if that's our choice. Right. Yes, this is this is such a fascinating topic to me. I could talk to you for hours about this, um, but we're coming up on our time. So, Paul, I want to thank you for joining us today and being our guest on Books on Air. My pleasure. My pleasure, and Cheryl. Before we close out today, just one last question for you. What do you hope the readers learn or take away after reading your book? I guess the most important thing is that people need to realize that they are the most important person in their life and how they respect themselves and how they feel about themselves and the world is what they are showing everybody else by the way they act. So the better people feel about themselves, the more they love themselves, the more they will radiate that energy to themselves and the world, and that will help change them and the world, and they'll be the example to show other people. Yeah, I love that. I love that thought. Thank you, Paul, again for joining us. It's been an amazing conversation. Thank you for the opportunity. My guest today has been Paul Narragon, author of the book, Gibberish Rhymes to Contemplate, Poetic Verse, Moving You into a New Life. And you can find more about his book on Amazon, and I'll link to the book in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join us for the next Books on Air podcast. Remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.